Hi, Scott Weatherford again. I'm so glad you're back and we're continuing this adventure in Genesis. And remember, we're looking at Genesis not just from the doctrinal theological standpoint, but from the relational standpoint, because this is about knowing God. So the question I ask, when God came to building relationships between men and women, like, what's the deal? I was watching, I've been watching a series on Netflix called Animals and you know, animals really aren't in relationship with, well, some of them are, but, you know, but generally, you know, it's not about relationships with them. It's about survival. And I would hate to think that you're living your life just in survival mode, just to make it from one kid's event to another, or one job assignment to another, or one paycheck to another, that you're learning the richest of relationships that, that, that God's provided to us in relationships and enjoy the riches of married relationships if you happen to be married, or if you're single, to look forward to that if that's what God has for you. I know a lot of you just lost your mind. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. Okay, I did it. Now, let's talk about relationships. There's a deep longing in our hearts made by God, which I've already said previous in this series, that God put in to us the desire to know and be known, to have a relationship with one another. We're looking for connection. That's why one of our life commitments of the five that we have is all about being connected, connected to God and connected with one another. So this adventure through Genesis really is about understanding relationships and how God makes himself known to us through loving him and loving others. So what was God thinking? He's all about relationships. He wants a relationship with us through Jesus Christ, and he wants us to have deep relationships with one another through Jesus Christ. And it's all based on love, all based on love. Every commandment of God is based on the love of God. Every covenant of God is based on the love of God. Covenants don't come before love. Love comes before covenants. Obedience doesn't come before love. Love propels obedience because we're loved. So look at the love of God and how he's created us. Now, God created us in his own image. He created us for relationships with him and with one another. Now, let's look at the first recorded relationship to give us insight at what God was up to and what God was thinking, what he had in mind. We're created in God's image. From the image, we find the longing for connection. Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living in perfect unity, the one God connected in the three persons of the Godhead, living in perfect unity. And they will, the people that he creates, will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, livestock, wild animals, and there are small animals that scurry along the ground. So this is why God, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. This is what God was doing. He he created us, he formed us, he filled us in order for us to thrive in relationships. So here's some things I want you to think through. We are spiritual beings first and foremost. This shell of who I am is dying, is withering. Well, it's kind of growing, but it's withering and dying. And But my spirit, who I am, Scott Weatherford, will live forever because of Jesus Christ. And so I'm a spiritual being. So my relationships then are spiritual in connectivity more than they are physically. Huh? That means my relationship with my wife, Tara, is spiritual first and foremost. And then the other aspects of that relational connection happen. It's spiritual first and foremost. Because God is relational, he's created us in the image of relationships. 
We're created to live in community of unity and an ideology or attitude that brings disunity is not from God and is sinful. That's why in this period of fasting and praying, I'm praying about unity. I'm asking you to do the same because any attitude that causes disunity is sinful. I need to automatically look at my heart. Why? Because I can't look at yours. It's none of my business. Your business is with God and then my business is with God, but my business is to live out what God wants for me. It's the same thing for you and I need to be a person that lives in unity. Now listen to this. God created men and women in equality to be complementary to one another. Wait, 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 what? Now this is a complex topic. Is man to rule over woman? No. Is women to rule over man? No. Are we equal in salvation? Absolutely. Are we equal in our roles and responsibilities? No. We're complementary. We're complementary. Now, let me talk to you a bit, just the very nature of the word man and women. Uh, you, some of you heard me teach on this before. But the Hebrew word for man is ish. It means the one who initiates or the one who pierces. Now, physiologically, you can figure that out. But what does it mean relationally? I'm to be the initiator, the protector, the provider, the one over to protect my wife. The Hebrew name for woman is ish'ah. That means the one who receives or the one who's pierced. Now, physiologically, you can figure that out too. So ish and ish'ah, complement. What is the woman's role in relationship to receive, to care, and to provide and to nurture? By nature, men are initiators, women are receivers, and in complementary relationships, we make the perfect combination of community of unity when we function in our roles. Now, is a man supposed to rule over his house? In love, in submission to his wife, wives in submission to their husbands. Now, see, this is what all these things mean. Men are to pursue and to initiate. They're, they're factual oriented. They're less aware of their feelings. Men are to lead with a servant heart way uh, putting themselves last and their families first. Now, women, they're receivers. They're more nurturing and perceptive. Women's are more aware of relationships and feelings, and they're more spiritually in tune. And God gave us these two-part assignments to do this, to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. Wow, both roles, not gender-based, but complementary to fulfill the mandate of God. We're created to complement and not to compete. Any male-dominated or female-dominated society is not of God. God has given us responsibilities and giftedness to live in unity and peace. The problem with a male-dominated or female-dominated thought or theology is sin. Equal in grace, equal in salvation, equal as sons and daughters, complementary in how we live out those roles under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Wow. Life in the garden was very different from life outside the garden. Let's look at life in the garden. And the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. So the Lord God formed from the soil of all animals and birds, and he brought them to the Adam to see what he called them. And Adam chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, birds, and wild animals, but still there was no companion suitable for him. So the Lord caused Adam to fall into a sleep and he took one of Adam's ribs and closed it the place for which he'd taken it. And the Lord God made a woman for the rib and brought her to Adam. At last, Adam exclaimed, she's part of all flesh and blood. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of a man. 
This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two united into one. Now, although Adam and, the, and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt ashamed. What was God doing here? What God was doing was setting Adam up for a blessing. It's what God does. Before God meets your needs, he accentuates your need. He brings you to a place where you say, God, I need you to come through. And he does. Every time. It's amazing. God revealed Adam's need. And he said, there's not one like you. Adam named all these animals. He goes, well, there's a, there's a, 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 a bull and there's a cow. There's a, a female fox and there's a, a male fox. And he goes all through the animals. He sees the complementary nature of this species and, and the different sexes of the animals. He goes, but there's not another one like me. So what God did, he accentuated Adam's need. Then he met his need by bringing him that complementary rescuer from his aloneness, rescuer from needing the other part of him. Often introduced Tara as my better half. Well, really, that's not true. We are a half that makes a whole. I'm whole in Christ through salvation with him, and then I'm complementary to Tara as God has put our lives together through the covenant of marriage. That's amazing. You see, all of this is put together through mutual respect and love. And Ephesians 5.21 says this, further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's three bold moves that I have, as a man, I have to make to build a relationship with my wife. And I'm going to just kind of pivot and talk about marriage for a second. The first one is flesh of one flesh. There's a sexual move that I have to be taken because man was taken out of woman that I'm put back life into the woman. That's the beauty of married love. Leaving and cleaving. There's a relational connection. I have to leave my family and be cleaving to my wife. So it's a sexual and a relational connection, but then there's a spiritual connection that we're naked without shame. What does that mean? That we live a life transparent before one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the three bold moves I have to make. What does the woman have to do? What does Tara have to do? She has to allow this to happen. She has to look for it. She has to encourage me. She has to work with me in this. Why? Because she's gonna do this naturally. And I need her complimentary relationship with me to help me as I help her. It's a big difference. Any action to dominate or control or to belittle or disrespect is not of God. Everything is rooted in honor. Look what it says in Romans 12. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters take the lead in honoring one another. And a marriage relationship then mirrors the relationship God has with his church. Listen to this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you that where receive you to myself. So where I am, you may also be. And you know where I'm going. This passage that Jesus said was a Jewish marriage proposal speech that all of these guys that he was saying this to, his disciples who were married, had made the same speech to their wives. They're going, what? What? And what Jesus was doing was proposing to us, the church, the bride of Christ, that he would mutually submission to him, submitting to us in death, that we might submit to him in newness of life. Wow. This is a foreshadowing statement that Jesus made to him. And this is the covenant 
Get this. God said, I will redeem you through Jesus when you respond in faith to me. That's the new covenant. I'm to have a covenant relationship with my wife, with Tara, that to God, I'm going to love her, honor her, be for her the man she needs. And it goes to Tara. Tara says, same thing, God. And we live in a complementary relationship as Ish and Isha with God, the Lord of both. Wow. What happened to us? Paradise was lost to sin. You see, when sin came, this is what happened to women. And he said to the woman, I will sharpen your pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he'll rule over you. Had Eve had more children? We don't know. But how would she know that pain would be sharpened if she never had children? Just something to think about. And then but he'll say, you'll desire your husband. This is not sexual desire here. This is desire for intimacy, but he's going to dominate you. And domination, male domination is sinful. Female domination is sinful. Wow. You're going to want to control him, and he's going to want to control you. And it clashes the two genders, and that leads to trouble. To the curse of the man, he said, man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I command you not to eat, you violated your rule, your rule as ish. You did not protect her. You did not provide for her. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you'll struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground for which you were made. For you are made from dust and you'll return to dust. And what... God is saying to the man, you're going to try to find your worth through your work and you're not going to do it. You're not going to find your worth through relationships where relationships make life rich. You're going to try to make riches to make your life rich. It's not going to work. Not going to work. And all we are is dust in the wind, to quote Kansas. Huh. And relationship brokenness is a result of sin. And this carries it outside of marriage as well. And now we live in a state, a day and age where gender's confused, roles are confused, and it's all because of sin. How can we get it back? We go back to the garden through the way of the cross. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Colossae. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ for he forgave your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The cross changes everything, including my relationships. In other words, I can love Tara as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it because Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. Tara can mutually, willingly allow me to love her, not desiring to rule over me and me not ruling over her because of the cross. I can love you because of Jesus. I can live in unity because of Jesus. The cross is the way back to the intent of God, that he is recreating us through the cross. We should never settle for relational division. We should only settle for God who created us to live in peace and love and security that only he can provide. There's a process. Let me give it to you. And I personally have to love Jesus, to relationally love you, and I have to commit to love and live all for Jesus. Personal renewal, relational renewal, and missional renewal. You see, God is all about relationships. Mine to him, 
mine to Tara to you, you to me, you to your spouse, you to this broken world. When you come to Jesus, you find true relationships and then you can learn to live back in the garden. Relationships, what was God thinking? To make your life rich and he died to get it done. I hope this helps. Pray with me. Father, thank you for what you said to us in your word about relationships, about men and women, about our complementary relationships. And Father, I pray that right now, everyone who's listening to me will recommit themselves to you and to live your way. Father, if we're struggling in our marriages, that we will get counsel. That if we're struggling in our relationships, our perceptions about men and women, we'll find truth in your word and accountability and community. And that we will change the way we live because we're going back to the garden. You were thinking about us when you created them there. And you're restoring us by what you've done on the cross. Some of you are listening today. You've never trusted Jesus. Today is your day because you're never going to figure it out in your marriage or in your parenting or in your work life or even in your neighborhood until you come to Jesus. You're never going to figure it out. Will you whisper this? Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. Forgive me. Restore me. Make me new. Did you pray that? If you did, then he just did. Welcome to the family. Others of you need to be reminded. Some of you need to quit reading the junk on the internet and read the word of God and live with one another in submission and love. Father, I thank you for what we've heard today. And I pray we'll live a new way. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, if you're struggling in your marriage, let us help you. Be glad to send you some information, some things to help you study, help you things improve. Um, Tara and I have a, a series called Marriage Matters. We're going to be filming that. We'll have that available for you soon. We want to encourage you. We want you to get in a community group. Get in a life group. Join with some other believers and be together in unity and help your life figure this thing out. Because we really need each other. And relationships make life rich. Remember those commitments? Connecting, growing, serving, sharing, and honoring God. That's what we're all about here. That you may be connected, you may grow, you may serve, you may share to live all for Jesus. So take those next steps and do what God wants you to do. If you prayed with me and received Jesus, let us know. Raise your hand. We can send you a Bible. If you Anything you need, let us know. We're, we're here for you. We need help you connect. Let us know. Start a group in your area. Take that bold step and be what God wants you to be to live all for King Jesus. I pray it and I, I hope this helps and I pray it did. Thank you again for your generosity. Be sure to continue to support what God's doing by your faithful giving, not out of compulsion, but out of love. And I love you and I'll see you next week as we continue knowing God from the start, this adventure in Genesis.